Oh boy. All right. Welcome YouTubers, fans of and friends and supporters of war media everywhere. Uh welcome back to the running show, running the running with war here, representing the original runners with me, Drew, Josh, and Chris going up on a Tuesday. I don't know how many people remember that song, but uh, <laughs> doing that, doing a special Tuesday show here. We're going to do a couple of those this week and next week, uh, sort of uh, some supplemental broadcasts, uh, you know, for a pretty busy and important time of the basketball year. Uh, you got the NBA really coming to a, uh, a climax in the regular season and uh, getting ready for those playoff games that they're getting into. And, of course, by the end of next week, you got the beginning of the WNBA, which we definitely uh, going to be covering. Uh, we're going to actually uh, have uh, dedicate all of our next Thursday show um, uh, to the WNBA. It'll be the 13th, on the 13th, I believe. Yeah, 13th. And uh, that'll be, uh, like I say, all dedicated to WNBA previewing uh, the upcoming season. So uh, definitely watch out for that. And uh, like I said, we'll be back on third. We'll be on our regular night each uh, this week and next as well on Thursday. But uh, just doing a quick show here in and out, sort of uh, having a little fun here on a Tuesday as well. We you know we didn't give y'all a show last week as well. We did the. Uh, Drafting NFL drafting on our on our Thursday, but uh, we're back at it here and uh, you know, getting ready to have some fun with my guys. Appreciate you guys for joining in, and uh, you know, everything's been good, with, you know, good with y'all. For all right, but <laughs> <Okay>. not <laughs> too convincing, but I'll, I'll take your word for it. But uh, but yeah, uh, let's just get right, right into it. I'm you know, I'm not uh. Like I say, you know, this is a supplemental show, so I'm not really uh, harping on any tip-off things this week. But I, I know a couple things have come across that have been sort of interesting. Um, uh, we're going to talk about that uh, that tweet you showed us a little earlier, Chris, in a minute. Uh, I saw something, though, uh, update on The Athletic, uh, talked about Steph Curry hitting 300 threes in a season for the fourth straight year. So, uh, you know, he just keeps on doing his thing and, you know, setting records and everything. You know, we talked a bit about him last week, if you didn't catch that show. But, uh, you know, uh, it's it just, just wild, man. He just he just keeps on going. And, you know, uh, let's say the fifth season in NBA history in which the players hit 300 three-pointers, according to The Athletic. Four of those five seasons, uh, Steph's, of course, nice four, fourth season, and Harden, the only other guy that hit 300 threes in a year in, in the 18 19 season. They, that was the MVP season, right? They, um, yeah. the record, the NBA record is 402 for Curry, so he's likely going to pass that. He did that in, in the 15 16 season, so yeah, this, this is wild what he's doing, man, but uh. I don't know, any thoughts on that guy? I know Chris, you wasn't with us uh, last week, but uh, yeah, you got any thoughts on him? It's it's funny. I think we're jaded almost with the way that the game has become. 
you know, it was easy for the pros, right? Like we watched and we marveled at these dudes when they were able to hit tough shots and split double teams like Mark Price and those guys. And it's still cold. But it's almost it almost feels like a cheat code. Like we expect Steph to be good and we expect Dame to be so good at these shots. And also it's kind of like we we all we all know that the rules have been changed so to make this part of the game more accessible, like to make point guards into efficient scorers rather than pass first guys, that we almost get jaded to it, right? It's like, oh, Steph hit 300 threes again? You know, he did that. Name about to hit 300 threes? You know, they did that. It's like the game has changed to the point where it's, it's like the first dude on the block to get a car, back in like 1920 and you'd be like yo that dude has a car (laughs) once it gets to 1945 man everybody got a car on the block and so when the dude gets a car again if he gets a new car it's like oh man you got a new car that's that's pretty dope man that's a pretty cool car that's like like the drug dealer who come through with the amg kit in 88 or something like that's the true. First, first dude who was getting money off the block. <laughs> you you remember um um Andre Risen on the broke thirty for thirty when he was talking about that that uh I think it was the Lexus he had and he's like we called that the spaceship. That was Steph's like twenty sixteen when he was just untouchable. Like I, I will say to this day, there's moments in sports that you will just never forget that you you, you can replay everything a thousand times now. But there's moments that kind of get associated with it that you just are etched in your mind. Like um, when Rose hit that jumper over Jennings to beat the Bucks, I was at a bar in Peoria and the saxophone teacher at Bradley, Dr. Heineman, was right next to me drinking a Miller Lite. And when Rose hit that shot, I was like, Dr. Heineman, and he looked at me with this dazed expression on his face like, I can't believe he hit that shot. When Steph game-timed Oklahoma City, Mm. I was with my guys Hassani and Marcel, and we were about to hit the hit the Uber to go to the um, uh, Rush Street Division and Rush. And I swear, and Hassani denies it. He said the Uber was just late, but I swear he canceled the car, and we stayed there for a half hour talking about how crazy that was and arguing about why they didn't defend him like thirty five feet out. That's how crazy that moment was. But it's it's still it's just wild now that it's so commonplace. Like how Russ is going to get another triple double season, it's it's normal. It's normal now, bro. Yeah, I was I was gonna and say that. It's, it's kind of like, you know, like the the novelty of it is kind of worn off, man. Like you said, we kind of we we expect these things now. We expect these Russell uh, Westbrook triple doubles. We expect to see Steph bombing away um, with forty percent plus accuracy. Like it's it's crazy, but it also speaks to like how to, how much the game has changed. Um, how many threes are, are are taken throughout NBA games nowadays? Um, and I think Chris, I, I think you had a picture up on Twitter about um, the way defenses are having to cover pick and rolls now. The screens are damn near at half court. Like the amount of space you have to. Um, take up as a defender nowadays is is insane. You got to be able to cover so much floor. So um, Steph is just that dude, man. It's just it's Steph, man. He's never shot under forty percent his whole career, I think, except for last season where he only played however many games it was, man. Um, so this dude is just lethal. We never seen anybody like him before. Definitely, definitely. 
And, uh, you know, let's, let's go back to, uh, you know, a, a, a more quaint time in the game, uh, 1997. I'm play this video right quick. Uh, to Since we're doing this on the 4th of May, which is now this whole thing with Star Wars now, and um, I saw this pretty cool video on the, uh, the halftime app. Uh, shout out to our friends over there. Uh, at uh, halftime, uh, nice, great, pretty cool app, you know, for uh, the housing discussions and uh, everything for uh, you know, real hoop heads and everything. But uh, I'm gonna play this for y'all right quick. Hopefully, hopefully, this will get uh, this will get a taken, will get edited by YouTube when we when this uh, finally posts. But it'll give you it'll give you reason to uh list to look at us on the live streams because you can see it on the live uh, you can see it on the live stream but you can uh you may not see it <laughs> when it's housed on YouTube later <laughs> anyway. Just that just the music alone and Bob Costa's voice is just nostalgic already. I was saying they they missed it, man. They missed it, Drew. <laughs> now you want to get that music on Fox College basketball. Ah, look at this. Of course, the homage to the original Star Wars movies. Yeah, they gotta have that that blaster music in here. <laughs> This is a uh, early '97. Shout out to Arvita Sabonis right there. <laughs> this is when the, like nothing beats this man. The NBA on NBC Sundays, they made it into a big deal. ABC doesn't do it like this. They, you know. They they have good presentation, but it's not like this, man. <laughs> I gotta I gotta ask. I know we're watching this, but is it the is it the way not just the presentation? Because sometimes the ABC and the ESPN broadcast, it almost seems like it's about the 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 studio crew as much as the game. Mm. Now maybe mm. that's just because I'm older now, but it seems like look I, at like, those records. I don't though. necessarily like, want to. We don't get into that, Chris. But look at the, look at those records. This is about as close as we got to these two teams meeting in the finals. You know, of course, you know, we didn't, we never got that, but these two teams were clearly the best teams in the league at this point. It's about halfway through the season. And, you know, that's when, uh, he, uh, uh, you know, the uh, Houston had uh, Elijah Warren and, uh, and uh, Barkley and uh, Drexel at that time. Barkley, though, was injured. As if you heard at the beginning of the video, Bob Costas said that Barkley was injured. So Barkley was he was already really declining. Elijah Wine was also past his prime, really say his prime prime. And Drexler was too. He was even, you know, he came in the league a year before Elijah Wine, but they were still, you know, able to play. So it's like, you know, you look, I want to, I want to look up that game and see if the whole thing is on YouTube because I want to watch that now. But like that was a showdown, man, and 
it, it, like I said, it just makes you think about what we missed in them. Like it's two, it's it's two clear misses that we got in the modern game in the finals: Kobe and LeBron, and the '90s Bulls and the '90s uh, Rockets. You know, for no other reason than you know, all those Rockets fools, you know, could have shut up if, if if about them beating the Bulls if you know if they would have met in '97. You know, but I not. The Bulls, if you look, you know, like I say, you look at that record, they were not far off the pace that they were in '96. That that '97 team was crazy as well. So, it's you know, what, what do y'all think about that? It's like Drake, ABC took over and nothing was the same, right? Like <laughs> that's how that's pretty much how you feel. That's that's such a classic. And even though I'm more on a younger end for all you guys, I still remember NBC's on NBC, on, uh, you know, NBA on NBC. I still remember that. I still remember, you know, even past that, even up to the early thousands when they used to play, you know, the, the Kobe and Shaq Laker eras in the um, in their in their final runs, things of that sort of world was on NBA on NBC. I still remember all that and that th- and the theme song yeah. that went with it. Like, M- yeah, NBC played through the 03 finals. They had they had the rights up until the 03 finals. That and the, the, unfortunately, those last two finals were the Spurs and Nets. So it was kind of like a limp ending, <laughs> <laughs> you know, compared to what they had in the 90s and you know with the uh, you know the the uh, Lakers three peat. But uh, you know, yeah, it, it it was yeah, it was different. And, and to speaking to what you were saying, Chris, I think. I see what you're saying with like how it's more with ABC. You have the, you know, the more of the focus. ABC is ESPN because of the ESPN influence. Is more to focus on the studios and the the you know who's in those studios and stuff. I think also you have it where, you know, you have Mike Breen is a great play by play guy, but he doesn't have that personality that Marv did. Marv, even you could put Marv up against anybody in the booth, and he would still be that draw. Like even if you, even when they had like Magic and Isaiah, you know, uh, he still was the guy. And and then after you know when he got into his little trouble in the late nineties, they was able to fill him in with Bob Costas, who you know you could do anything with Bob Costas. So, but when. When it was perfect though, when Marv was on the on the bit on, on the sideline, Costas was in the studio, and they would have like a rotating studio. Like they were the, really the guy in the studio then, like the Stephen A. Back then was uh uh Peter Vesey. Yeah, he was, yeah, he, that was that was the Stephen A. of the early nineties because he was the one who was mixing things up and he's supposed to, you know, he was supposed to have all the scoops and everything. And, you know, he, but he, yeah, that was, that was his role back then. So it, it, it was, it was an uncanny era as Nas said, you know, <laughs> and, and, you know, I, I, I it, it's, you know, it's all, it's a lot of it is like I say out there on YouTube. So I mean, if you, if you're too young to miss it, you know, you just, you have, you can at least live vicariously, and you know, do it sometime, but but yeah, we just want to play that because, uh, of course, this is the, the fourth of May, May the fourth be with you, Star Wars geeks and everything. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, let's go, let's get back to the present here. Well, actually, before we get back to the present, present, let's make another stop in the near, uh, in the more recent past. And uh, you know, Chris, Chris, why don't you talk about that, that tweet 
that you shared with us just before the show regarding Mello. Mello, who just uh, passed Elvin Hayes for 10th all-time in NBA scoring, uh, doing this thing with Portland now. But uh, there's still some regret and some, uh, you know, some people, you know, some wishing for uh, an alternate pass where he would have uh, signed or at least forced himself to get traded to the Bulls in 20. Uh, fourteen it would have been, but yeah. What what tell, tell, talk about that a little bit, Chris? So the tweet was from uh, should have been Josh Eberly. Let me check that. Yeah, Josh I Eberly. Yeah, believe so. Yeah. Follow Josh. Always a good follow. One of the Canadians holding it down for basketball. Him and the starters and Andrew Bailey. Uh, if Mello went to Chicago in 2015 and they won a title, imagine how differently his career is viewed. Paul Pe- Paul Pierce legacy jump on steroids, and he'd get an even bigger boost than Pierce because people do love Mello like that. Um, yeah, man. I mean, my guy Corbin. I don't know if you. I think Drew, you know Corbin Adams, right? I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I went to high school with Corbin. I remember him posting on on Facebook a while back that he still have mellow over Braun. Like it was just, a, it was a thing is that Oh three draft. Those were the two guys I think that had like, at least for what they had, like the, the diehards in the stands and as LeBron star, just supernova, you know, a lot of those mellow guys became just like diehard fans who were just like, I'm rocking with mellow no matter what he would take Braun one-on-one, you know, like that. But you put a guy like mellow on there, it, it, it'll be difficult he would clash with Jimmy and that was a kind of a, a Billy Martin Steinbrenner type situation for Tibbs and guard packs at that point. Like, I don't think that winning the finals would have kept Tibbs around. So I don't know how introducing Mello in 2015 would have um, either if it would have been a neutralizer to the situation or a catalyst, you know, in a bad way. But if all things go right, they definitely beat Cleveland because they had Cleveland by the throat and LeBron got a timeout when he shouldn't have. And the bulls ended up getting tied instead of going up three, one, like they could have. Cause, cause nobody was touching Rose and OT Rose cooked chump chump. I love you. You're a Chicago dude, but you were not the defender that you were in earlier in your career at that point, man, Rose cooked chump to tie that game. And they weren't – Cleveland wasn't going to take them. Cleveland was not going to take them in OT. So the Bulls go to the finals, and my guy Marcel still says that the Bulls would have beat the Warriors in six. And I, it's hard to argue with them. It might have gone seven. It could have gone either way once it gets to that point past game five. But the Bulls definitely could have won the title that year. So with, with Melo on their side, I think they could have won it without him. So if you put Melo in and everything goes swimmingly, that's a, that's a seven Chicago Bulls title. And – um Mello can eat for free and dick as whenever he wants. <laughs> what, what do y'all think about the the Paul Pierce comparison? Like Pierce, I guess having played his leadership role to brought back, uh, you know, a championship to a, a long forgotten dynasty, and you know he did that in 08, of course, with Boston with the big three. You know, did you, you know in, in Mello's case, he would have done it with Jimmy and. Rose in 15. Now, you know, you know, I, 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 I said, I love the Bulls and, you know, I love the idea of, of that happening, but I, I can't say that the Bulls would have beaten 
Golden State in 15, but for them to have made the finals that year would have been an amazing thing. And, you know, I wonder just that alone, what difference would it have made to the the remaining years that would have followed with guard packs and everything and, you know, what they have, what they have made different moves with the arc of their, you know, definitely their legacy would have been different, but what, what would they still be in control if they had made the finals then, you know, who knows, but, you know, it's, it's definitely one to think about. And and of course I think about, you know, I I said it in our text chain, Mello, you know, what, what, if any regrets does he have about that timing and not making that decision then. And then interest, interestingly enough, the bulls had a chance. No, they actually had him for, I don't know how long that period was. It was a sh- very short period where, like, the league was playing hot potato with Melo a couple years ago, and then you know he he was off off the any roster for about a year or so, and then Portland picked him up, and now he's he's just been great. He's really been great in this role for Portland since then, and you know there's no reason, in my opinion, why he couldn't be that for Chicago. He could have been that for a couple years now. So, I mean, it's interesting. We think of that part of, uh, you know, that little part of Melo and his connection to Chicago but uh, being what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Think, um, just real quick, I think he it's, – it's, it's fair, the whole, you know, the Paul Pierce jump, legacy jump on steroids. That's a, a pretty fair comparison. But I also think that um, – Mello was kind of looked at more favorably. I, at least, maybe it's just my opinion, but I feel like I, he's, I agree. Already, he's so yeah. you know people look at him more favorably than Pierce. Mm-hmm. And 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 last thing I'll say is going back to what Chris said about how there's people who sort of always favor Mello over LeBron. That's in large part because Mello outplayed LeBron. You know, pretty much the entire first. Uh, quarter of their careers. The only thing is that LeBron got to the finals first in 07. And, you know, well, first and only, you know, <laughs> Melo hasn't been to the finals, but, you know, Me- but LeBron still got there very early enough. And, you know, he, he established himself as a winner in a much more complete sense than Melo has ever got to. So, but when they played one on one and they teams played, Melo had the clear edge early in their career. Yeah. Yeah, it was some some great, or some some very good Denver Nuggets scenes. He was a part of. Yeah, yeah. I still can't believe he. I can believe it, but it's like, man, you could have sacrificed a little bit of that paycheck, man. Things could have gone a lot differently in your career, or you know, potentially could have. Um, Chris, you brought up a great point about how the dynamic between him and um, Jimmy would have played out. Like that would have been kind of interesting because I think Jimmy was starting. He wasn't. We didn't. I don't think we quite knew him um, as the alleged prima donna type guy yet. But I think he was. He was. He was getting there. He had. He had the quote about how he took the rearview the uh, the rearview mirrors off his cars at that point. So it was. <laughs> it was built. <laughs> and he was hanging with Mark. We all. He was hanging with Marky Mark. It was. It was. Uh, it was yeah. By then. <laughs> Yeah, that would that that would have been an interesting uh, dynamic to think about as well. 
Um, but what Drew mentioned, if, if you just took a little bit of a of a small paycheck and just focus on actually winning instead of living in the bright lights of New York City, trying to make trying to make life work with Lala, uh, hey, he could have had a ring on his hand. He could have had a, a nice a nice big ring on his hand. But hey, he was collecting them checks, he was collecting them paper. I understand. Lala got money too, but hey, she's something else. All right. So I understand. I understand. You gotta do what you gotta do, man. You gotta do what you gotta do. Um, <laughs> he's like, she's something else, Josh. Something else. She's something else. Um in a good way though. In a I good think, way. I think she did her thing. She she be doing her thing. So I mess with Lala for sure. Um, I, think, I think at the time she just got that power job, and that that's yeah. it. I think so. so too. That, yeah. So yeah. she was really like, "Oh, I'm, I'm about to be actressing now," and still. She Lala see like someone who would say actressing and not acting. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, yeah. it it would have been interesting to see how all of that works and. There's a love for Melo in, in Chicago, for sure. I mean, I, we saw some of that even in All-Star Weekend um, when he was here in town. One of the events that I had to go cover uh, prior to him, um, I had to leave the event early to attend to another event. Um, but he was supposed to be was at this Players TV event where he was one of the top investors of the group now. Oh, yeah, he was there, yeah. Yeah, he was there. And, and the funny part was, this is how I know he was cool. I ran, I ran into him going out the door, right? So I'm running out the door. He, he's stepping out of the out of the uh out of the Cadillac Escalade um with his son Kion. And I saw him, I'm like, what's up, Melo? He's like, what's good, bro? What's good, bro? And just walked inside. I was like, yeah, you mellow all right, because you was real chill when you said what's up, bro. Like you you fit your name for real. You the real deal. Um, but but even like there's a connection with Chicago that I believe he does like, and which is why he actually even considered coming here. And especially at that time, you talk about a rising Jimmy Butler, a still prime Derrick Rose that even though he had his injuries was still killing. Um, you and at the time you had Tibbs. I think we might have had a solid Paul Gasol at the time. I don't know for sure. Um, yeah, pal. Yeah. Gasol was still there, which was still pretty decent at the time for his age and what was going on at that time of year. We had a nice little whip, and you put him in a mixture of that, which is something that we had but didn't have at the same time because Jimmy Butler, even though he was emerging, he wasn't the Jimmy Butler at that time that we know him to be now. I mean, hey, you would have been you you would have you really would have been talking about a potential final championship out of that. And yes. for legacy, Melo's legacy would have been off the charts because you talk about Paul Pierce and what he's done. You, no one has, people have to talk about the fact that he will be the first person, or at least the first major superstar with Derrick Rose to bring a championship to Chicago outside of Jordan. You want to talk about an enhancement of a legacy. And you talk about you coming from New York, the Knicks, who the Bulls used to beat during the 90s, to come to the Bulls and win those championships. You want to talk about a legacy? Oh no, Paul Pierce ain't got Jack on that. Paul Pierce is gonna have to. If Paul Pierce is gonna call Melo and ask him if he wants to bring the strippers and the, and the strippers and the liquor over and put that on Instagram Live. Like, well, the only thing I say, you know, P Square got they they overtook the Lakers. I mean, you talking about franchise rivalry? That probably trumps. I mean, if, in terms of national media, that's gonna trump uh, Chicago, New York type of. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Feel, yeah. But, 
I mean, and, and you talking about beating, you talking about beating a team in Golden State that would have been just still coming together. They wouldn't, you know, after a, a long layoff of them being successful, they weren't, you know, they weren't the Warriors yet. They weren't the the uh, the team that took over the league yet. And, 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 and to that point, with them being still being young in the game. And you know, people, you know, you look at that that Eberly tweet, you know, there was quick people who was quick to say, Oh, the Bulls wouldn't have beat the Cavs anyway. But people forget that that was a year that Love got injured in the first round, got his arm damn near uh by Kelly pulled out. Yeah, by yeah, by Kelly Olenek. So, you know, they barely got out that that Boston series and you know, like say, you I know, two in the finals. I think yeah. that's the same year that Kyrie got hurt in the finals too. Yeah, he got hurt in game one. Yep. Yeah. So I mean, they, 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 they were, they were ripe to have been gotten that year, and that was a like that was a season where the Bulls really could have, you know, jumped out of some nowhere and and you know snatched the title away, or at least the Eastern Conference title. But you know, hey, that's it went how it went though. But but uh, you know, it's good though. Going back, you know, bringing it back to Melo, that of you know when when it looked things looked their darkest with him, and he was going on, you know, he did that exclusive interview with Steve and A, and it was it was like you know this dude may not ever get back in the league, but he did, and and it's you know he's piling on the numbers. He probably still won't get a championship, unfortunately, but he's going to be seen as one of the the defining players of his era, regardless, and. You know, he's a, you know, he's shoring up the Hall of Fame resume. And, you know, it, you know, beyond all that, it's good that he, he has the satisfaction of knowing that he was right, that, you know, he was always the guy who, who he was and he shouldn't have spent any time out the league. He should have even more points on that, on that list. But, uh, you know, they, like I say, he just had to go through that. So, he went through that, so so you wouldn't do that, you know, like Hove, you know. The, <laughs> he went through that, so so we wouldn't have to go through that. So, you know, mm-hmm. big up to uh, to Mello. Maybe I'm maybe I'm missing some people, or just off base, but I feel like Carmelo, Tracy McGrady, and Kevin Durant. Those are the three guys that I've seen like just make scoring look just easy. You know what I'm saying? Like from anywhere on the court. Yeah, I, I, I feel like T Mac was the original KD. I really feel like T Mac was the original KD as far as how effortlessly it was for him to get a basket anywhere on the court at his height. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something that's like even Kobe said. Like T Mac was the one was one of the top guys that gave me problems because he was me with height. <laughs> like imagine mm-hmm. if imagine if you know T Mac didn't get hurt. And he still had those prime years with the Houston Rockets, or even with the Orlando Magic. Like, Orlando Magic and early Houston Rockets T-Mac was scary. And that's something that the league never saw. Like, that was the Kevin Durant of that era to me, where even though he didn't win championships, that notoriety of him scoring a ball, that notoriety of him effortlessly making the game look so easy offensively and him being unguardable. Yeah, that was. I thought that was the pre-Durant and really could have paved the way for Durant to make what he does that much more unique. Yeah, I think, well, Josh, you, you put it well there, the, the mix of size and ability to 
play off the dribble, get to get to spots with regularity in the mid range and further and score and with a nice touch, you know, just really not have any trouble shooting long range. I put Dirk in that group too, because Dirk was seven foot. He had more of the, you know, the fall away. It was, it was you know, more of the regular fall away that he went to, uh, you know, less, you know, uh, the other guys we spoke of have more of a complete toolbox, but uh, you know, Dirk's fall away is probably one of those moves like in the tradition of Kareem Skyhook that is just once he got it off, you weren't stopping it because you weren't you nobody had the length to block it. And he was so good at shooting it that he made it more times than not. So it was a del it's just one of those deadly maneuvers that you weren't gonna never stop. Mm-hmm. But yeah, all those players, like you say, Josh, being able to do what they did like a guard or a small forward or something, but do it at seven feet or so. That's you know that completely changed the game. Yeah, man. I mean, there was always the blueprint guys that we we like. Probably McAdoo was was one of the first guys who was was tall and could just operate and and was really stepping outside to shoot. I think with regularity and just and just pounding and just like stacking points. And, and before him, Connie Hawkins, but he was you know he was like six seven. Mm. And I missed that T-Mac era. Like, I, I got to be up front. Like, I wasn't really watching that uh, during that time. So all these – I want to divert, but I feel like the way that Iverson just inspired a whole generation of ball ballplayers. Uh, McGrady was on a, on a, on a similar level. Uh, but just kind of like how people were enamored with Penny, people were enamored with T-Mac in, in, the, same, in the same way. And it's, it's almost the same as like that – if Cass went to Orlando somehow with Penny and then Grant Hill and then Tracy, it just didn't work. It didn't go well for some reason. Something always happened. But I, I feel bad that I missed that Tracy McGrady lights out era. And so the only things I really can can pick out are that slam over Sean Bradley and um, that 13 and 35 seconds. Yeah. yeah. That, that that whole Detroit series was probably his defining effort. You know, it's unfortunate he never really got to do. And this is something I'm we're, we're sort of gonna. I'm no, I think I'm gonna bring up as well when we get into Russell Westbrook. But he didn't have McGrady never had that defining playoff run that just about every player has of meaning has had. You know, whether you get a champ, championship or not. If you look down the list of just about every top 50 player in the league's history, they got some sort of playoff run where they got like a court, a couple rounds at least, and they made a run. But, you know, but great, he never really had that. He just, he could, he had, you know, the damnedest time trying to get out the first round of doing, you know, I think he did it once or twice, but it was, he wasn't much of a factor by those times late in his career. But, you know, back then when he could do just about anything, you know, he still just didn't have the teams that were capable of winning uh, against more complete teams like Detroit or, you know, um, you know, being in the West when he, he had those uh, Houston teams, you know, of course they had, you know, the, the team that they had to battle with the Suns and the Spurs and all those and, you know, the Lakers or whatever. But, you know, yeah, he, he just, he, he had a lot going for him. I, 
you know, I remember when they first announced him going into the Hall of Fame, I was like, nah. but but I think the influence was there and the numbers were there. So, you know, but it, it's, 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 it's tough, though. It, it shows you how how the talent was during his era. It wasn't it wasn't just like a go between era between Mike and them and what we have now. It was it was a lot of competition still in those early to mid 2000s. Some of the best basketball I can even argue came from that era. You talk about the Allen Iverson in Philly, the young Kobe and Shaq duo, T-Mac in Orlando, the young Ray Allen in Milwaukee, um, the Reggie Millers and the Jalen Roses in Indiana. Like, that was a really strong era of basketball to where no matter what you turned on, you got some type of competition that was worth watching. I mean, you had the Raptors that was still involved, and you got Vince Carter there. You had the Nets thriving with Jason Kidd. You had, um, and I'm thinking about all these all You had KG in Minnesota, a young prime KG in Minnesota with the prime Tim Duncan. The Kings yeah. were on fire with Chris Webber, right? Yeah. Like you had, that was, yeah, that was a lot of movement. Like, yeah, like you mentioned a lot of those teams, like, like, like the KG team with, uh, I think Cassell. And a few others, they, they made a Western Conference Finals in that run. Wow. Uh, Denver, we talk about early Denver with Melo, they made the Western Conference Finals. So Kobe stopped them both. And uh, L.A. and Kobe stopped them both. But, uh, you know, that, there was movement around that time. There was, like, teams that were jumping up at least for a year or two. And, you know, and they and it, was, it was a little – it was a bit of a mix then. It was, you know. Yeah, I got. I just got to quickly shout out that Portland squad with Sheed and Damon Stoudemire and Bonzi Wells and Damon. Man, they could have easily won in two thousand. Man, they was <laughs> they should have won in two thousand. That that late run with uh, that the finding run with Kobe and Shaq, the oop and yep. man, but Portland had it that year, man. I thought they did too. The Kings had it even more in oh two. Yo, people mean, say, no, that's, that's a whole. That's, a that's whole yeah. Lot that's the that's the conspiracy theories now, man. Like you know, the league didn't want to see Sacramento in their finals, but yeah, you know, I don't know. You know, they that was a team. Like I said, that whole they had a couple teams could have won. You know, that yeah, that was a it was a great era. It's a great era to come up in. And know. that that's something that. We may kind of get into a little bit later, but I'll bring it up here in conjunction, man. It kind of that irks me about the small market, this this narrative of um it might not even be a narrative, the the small market teams and um how this play in tournament is starting to get criticized. You know, first it was Mark Cuban and uh Luka Doncic, then it was LeBron, you know, they didn't have anything to say about it until their teams were possibly gonna be pushed into that <laughs> you know what well, I mean? let's 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 go right into that then. Like okay. you know Le- LeBron say somebody should get fired for that shit. <laughs> John, but, but we, we all know he mad. You know, we know why he mad because he might have to play in it. <laughs> I'm going to send y'all an article. John Hollinger came out with an article. It, this wasn't the title, but he had it in the story. He said somebody needs to be uh somebody needs to get a raise for this shit. <laughs> I've seen a I've seen a couple a couple of writers have come out and and defended, you know, of course, you know, that's that's how the cycle works. You know, you get a, LeBron says something and Quite a few people are going to get behind them, but you're going to have people who oppose them as well. LeBron is a conversation starter. 
So, mm-hmm. you know, now we have this conversation about what, just what this thing means. And, you know, like Drew says, it's not just LeBron. Other people have worded, you know, their, their, uh, their, this, you know, their issues with it as well, like Luka Doncic, like Mark Cuban, and some others have. But, you know, we're going to have this thing at least this year. And I think a lot of people are excited by the possibility of LeBron playing in this. You know, LeBron isn't, of course, himself, but, you know, the to think the the thought of LeBron being in a one and done situation, it does excite a lot of people. Yeah, I mean that's what that's what we're about TV ratings, right? That's why they did what they did even when it even last in the bubble because the TV having that thought of potentially your best and favorite players from both sides of the conference be able to play and compete for the final spot to get into the tournament and then play against the best of the best, right? Like, that's what sells. And the league noticed it because of what happened last year with Damian Lillard and them in Portland, uh, putting on the show that they did, and they eventually played um, – I forgot who they played in the first round, but they played a top-tier team in the first round and, and beat them. They played they L.A. Played. in the first round. Oh, L.A., right, yeah. yeah played yeah. LA. So it's like, that's, that's, that's what sells. So, of course, from a marketing perspective, it wasn't a surprise that he was going to do that again. However, you know, depending on the teams you're looking at, yeah, it's going to be a little bit trash. I mean, I mean, I love the Bulls, but come on now. I'm seeing the Bulls in a playoff against KD or whoever's number one. Come on now. Like, that's that's a done deal. You can forget it. Right? So, it's like some of this stuff makes sense, ideally on paper. But when you put it into action and really see what the product can really look like, you're gonna look back and be like, okay, maybe we maybe we shouldn't have you know have done that. And I think that's what's gonna happen with this, right? It looks good because of the, because of the success that came from it last season. But that's why last season was so different than this year. And you're gonna be up in air with a lot of with a lot of things of how these things are gonna play out. And, of course, if LeBron's in this tournament, that just solidifies all the more reason why the league would do it anyways now because best of the best is in it. Mm-hmm. But outside of that, I want to see the Bulls in the play-in tournament. I just don't. First, don't first off, they're not going to make it. Right. <laughs> they're not even getting it to play in. Right. But, but I, 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 see, I, I agree with you, though. Who wants, who wants to see, you know, the, these things stretched out with – lesser teams that even when they get into the playoffs aren't going to really do much. But at the same time, are you no know, are we mad at getting another game of two or two of Steph Curry? Not, I mean, this season, not this no. year. <laughs> no. <laughs> so I mean there there's that's there's the intrigue that goes with that where and you know there's there's a possibility that it could come down to a Steph and LeBron game here, you know. So, I mean, it's it's a one shot deal. You'd rather have a series of of those games, but to have that one game, that's gonna be you know about ten million or so on TNT or ESPN watching that game. Man, that's gonna be wild. I, I do think that there's. I th- I thought it was silly last year because I think the Bulls were near that cut line and. I was I was of the same mind. I was like, why do I want to see these garbage teams play garbage basketball in the, in the playoffs? You know, 
But that was notwithstanding the way that uh, the Suns played, even though they couldn't make that uh, they, they couldn't make that line in the bubble. The Suns were on fire. Mm-hmm. Um, the way the Blazers played, and the surprising fall of the Grizzlies and Pelicans, teams with exciting rookies that we thought were gonna keep playing and make the playoffs, you know. So and now the the Grizzlies are in that same position this year, and uh, so are the Pelicans fighting for a playoff spot. So I think. It's it's like y'all said. It's marketing, it's marketing driven. It's 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 advertising dollars. Me as a kind of a cynic, saying all these guys who were like, oh well, why did you know somebody should get fired for having us play these extra games conceivably or playing all like we did this season and then not making the playoffs. Disregarding LeBron's injury, what are y'all resting for then, man? If not for the playoff stretch drive. If you don't want to, if you don't, if you want to bitch about it, man, play it, play all the, play as many games as possible. Don't rest. Then you can rest at the end of the season once you got a big lead, like Utah or Phoenix or all these teams that are ahead of you. The Clippers, the Clippers are six games up on the Lake Show, and they got something to say. Mm-hmm. But you know, you got nothing in in my in my estimation. You you're at the mercy of the league, sure. But you also have a way to counteract the league. Play better. Just play better, man. As yeah. much, do as much as you can do with regard to injuries and have a better record, and you don't have to worry about it. They're kind of going for that, that NCAA-type tournament with the two um, first four games, all that. And then, you know, you're seeing like, oh, well, those teams have the right to lose to better teams. But we've seen in the NCAA tournament, a couple of those 11 seeds that went for the first four made the final four. Yeah. So I I don't know how soon or how often you're going to see something like that happen. I think the best case scenario is that a team loses a star for a lot of the year or a key piece for a lot of the year and then gets them back. Um, late season or mid season, so they have a bad record and they make that playing tournament, and then they have all their full strength. Mm. But otherwise, I don't think that LeBron and, and Mark Cuban have a leg to stand on. You know, as much as they've helped the league with their personalities and um, revenue generation, the league has helped them. So until yeah. until LeBron outsizes, he got to deal with it. Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. gonna push back a little bit on the idea that it'll make for some trash matchups, um, or just stretching out bad play. Like you got to remember, um, none of that is true in the in the Western Conference. Like, <laughs> Lee, you can't yeah. you can't honestly tell me that a Utah potentially a potential Utah versus Golden State matchup is gonna be, you know, overlooked. Like. Anytime Steph, we just got through talking about Steph Curry. It don't matter who he's playing against. I don't care if you're the Jazz, Suns, Clippers, Lakers. People want to see him. People want to see the Golden State Warriors compete. They want to see him fire up 12 3. You know what I'm saying? They maybe should keep the play in tournament, but then kind of revolve it around a reseeding where you kind of get rid of some of those. uh, Not so good Eastern Conference teams that are that are, you know, uh, rubbing the, the the bottom of the barrel down there. Um, no disrespect to Washington because they have reeled off a bunch of victories to get them in a the position that they are. But um, I think it keeps team, it's going to keep teams honest. Uh, most of them, anyway, the ones that are not already kind of guaranteed of a spot in the playoffs and just are still resting players. But um, I like it, man. I like it. I like it. 
I, I saw a piece that advocated for, uh, like I say, the reseeding or, or getting rid of the conference designations for the play-ins and then just having them play out, you know, I guess, with, you know, I guess just like it probably would, at least in this season, take all the Western Conference teams and it, it would take the spots away from the Eastern Conference now. But but um, I, I, I want to say like one, one of the best points that I heard about this con- and within this conversation surprisingly came from Dominique Foxworth on ESPN where he said like, you know, the people was, you know, he was responding to people who would say that these playing games are contrivance. And he said, well, the playoffs themselves are contrivance. <laughs> you know, you know what, what it, it's, it's just an add on to the season to add, you know, to the side. Uh, it's, it's a manufactured add on to decide the, the championship. Whereas, you know, the regular season isn't enough for whatever reason, you know, in, in lots of sports, regular seasons are enough and major in soccer over in Europe. They decide championships with you know because of the regular season, not because of uh, any playoff thing. But in America, we have to have that extra thing where we decided through these series and whatnot. So you know, adding on adding a contrivance to a contrivance doesn't make much of a difference. And with the NBA being as it is, the NBA is is the most regular of. Uh, of leagues when it comes to the playoffs. The, the NBA eats more fiber <laughs> in the playoffs than any other league, you know, <laughs> because the, 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 the good teams typically win seven-game series in the NBA. So you have this thing with the playing where it adds a little more suspense to, to things and it shakes things up a little bit. So it's, uh, it, it's worked pretty well in a similar fashion in baseball as well. You know, baseball is more random – even after the playing games, but you know they have their playing games as well that they do, and you know I think you know the NBA can manufacture a certain amount of drama to this effect uh, with these games, and it, it like so it, it adds in a couple more teams in each conference to you know make them try a little harder, like Drew said, and you know try to get out of you know not necessarily be stuck in that uh, you know that in between position that where you're in the playoffs or not, and, you know, what, you know, it, it gives you something to fight for. More teams are fighting for something at the end of the year, even a, a sub team like the Bulls. But, uh, you know, so, I mean, nothing, there's really nothing wrong with that, in my opinion. And, and, and I think when we see those games play out in, I don't know, a week or two or whatever, I think they're going to be fun, fun games in and of themselves. And I think there's going to be no complaining then, I think, unless, you know, the, except for the people who lose those games. And God help the league if LeBron is eliminated in one of those playoff games. Yeah. First of all, man, round of applause for that basketball fiber analogy. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I had it in my head. I was, I, I'm just glad I delivered it well. I was wanted to. I, I was thinking of that when y'all was going. I was like, let me see if I could reel that off. That was that was tough, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, second of all, even in the East, like that nine, ten, seven, eight matchup is gonna still be have a have a compelling component to it. Now, oh, yeah. he might get smashed probably, but 
that that playing tournament is good. There's going to be some compelling basketball that's being played. Um, so to your point, Kyle, like I think, uh, you know, it's going to be something worth watching. It's going to be something worth watching. I mean, in the playoffs, even if it was still one through eight, there's always going to be that matchup. This is kind of like, let's just get this out of the way. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Maybe, maybe it's just me. I don't know. I'm just, I mean, I'm looking at the bottom of the Eastern Conference, right? You got from nine to 15, the Pacers, Wizards, Raptors, Bulls, Magic, Cavs, and Pistons. I, if any of those, any of those teams obviously make the play in tournament, the offseason is going to be brutal for free agents, right? Because the pitch is going to be horrible. Like, think about how bad, how bad that pitch is going to be. Yeah, we kind of suck, but guess what? We made the playing tournament last year. Therefore, we <laughs> have hope. But see, you got to start. You got to. You got to trim that down. You can't. You right. Start. I mean, you're only looking at the Bulls. Anything after the Bulls is no chance, and yeah. the Bulls don't really have a chance at this point. But anything after the I'm Bulls, at, you know, it's no chance. I'm, I don't know. I mean, I feel like even when somebody seems like the Pacers or the Raptors. You would like, if you talking about free agency wise. I don't know. Well, that's not right. how they. That's not how they build their teams anyway. Right, you're not making that specific pitch. <laughs> yeah. I I don't know. Maybe that's just me. I ain't going to none of them places anyway, so it's all good. I'm still right here in Chicago, so it's all. Yeah, good. Josh acting like it would just cut up in Toronto. That's, that's your Bulls hat talking. Now the Bulls would have to try to make that pitch because that's what we're kind of living and dying on right now. I yeah. know that's why I added them to the list. <laughs> but the rest of these teams, the rest of the teams, not in that same boat, man. I think the two teams you're talking about in particular are Washington and the Bulls. And either of those teams actually can flip that in a way where it's like, you know, we, yeah, we 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 made the play-in. We, you know, we got bounced in the first round, but we made the play-in. You know, we got something going on here, you know. We got – and we got these players here that – you know, we're going to talk about Russell in a minute, but we got these players here, you know, we, you know, we got something going. You want to – you want to play with Russ? You want to play with with Bill? You know, or you you want to play with uh, Zach? You want to play with you know uh, Gooch? You know, yeah, yeah. We, Vooch. I mean, you know, we got we got you. You know, well, only only one of those four names you just mentioned are probably sticking around for any kind of long term. Because no, I feel like no. somebody's going to throw a, a dump truck at Bradley Bill. Is he still on well, the I don't know. I mean, Bill, like I said, Bill's, he hasn't left yet. I mean, it's, it's for some reason, he he's he hasn't – they haven't parted yet. So, I don't know why in the near future they would either. I might be wrong, but he might be on the same timeline as Zach. They might be – Are they? I know Zach is unrestricted next summer. Yeah, 2022. Um, he might have a player this offseason, actually. Yeah, but he – Right. He's trying to get that, from now. Yeah, he, that big, big paycheck. Right, he's not. He already he, said he's not, <laughs> not doing no the Bulls, the Bulls if, would be smart to re-up with him this summer. But they, but he's not going to let that happen. So they they, you know. they got to try, though. I, w- I would just try to sell him on the fact, hey, man. Oh, yeah. yeah they they you talk about how bad you want to win. If you take a little bit of a pay cut, man, let us try to work around the edges, get you and Vooch some help, man. Yeah, yeah. I wanted I wanted to go into who would be. I'm I'm gonna say this for Thursday though. I want to go though into who could be uh, the Bulls Justin Fields, but but we could we could settle we could settle on that for Thursday. 
But um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't. I don't know how much I want to talk about the Bulls anyway. <laughs> well, let me let me throw this out there. Tell me if y'all want to talk about this now, or save it for later, or just don't even don't even talk about it because it's a little depressing. But the Ringer came out with their top twenty-five uh, players, like as in this season alone, taking everything oh. else out of account. Okay. So the Bulls got two All Stars, right? We got Vooch, we got Zach. Neither one of those guys made that list. Is that surprising to you guys? Does that make you feel any type of way? It's fair, I guess, especially uh, given the results that the Bulls have had. Yeah, quality, quality of the ringer has dropped a little bit because as much as I as much <laughs> as I have, have rightly trashed the Bulls this season, I don't think they deserve that. Zach has lit it up, and Vooch yeah, has Zach probably had. got a yeah. Zach got a good uh, he like, got a good uh, argument, especially given him being on the All Star team this year. Vooch has been damn near twenty and ten since he came since he came through. So yeah, I know you don't really know how accurate that is. He had a couple uh, bad shooting nights lately, but he was shooting the three alone at like a forty percent clip since he had been here. So, but uh, let, let, let's do a quick let's do a quick uh, survey though, a quick uh Uh-oh. uh yeah, a quick survey or uh, I'm trying uh, this is another way, but anyway. <laughs> okay, the top top twenty five in the league right now. Okay, let's start. Let's start with uh, you got the Nets. You obviously got three on the Nets. Uh, Philly, you got two, so that's five right there. Um, Probably Boston, Boston, another two. Boston, Tatum another Brown. two. So that's seven. Who? Uh, where, where else are we going here? Of course, that's a good point. You know, where's you got uh, again, just stick with the east for now. We ain't been going to the west yet, but let's, let's stick with the east. You got uh, you got Giannis and uh, you got Giannis, of course, so that's six. Uh, do we put Middleton in that in the top 25? I gotta, I gotta check first. <laughs> Can we put him out and maybe maybe pull him out once we keep going down the line? Am I able to take this guy out? Put him on the bench. I mean, that's hard to argue against, but man, you yeah. So I'm saying you got lower on the list. But you, you just look at the teams that are in the in and around the playoffs. You got you got Trey Young in Atlanta. You got uh, you putting Julius Randle in there. Ju- yes. Oh Julius yes. Randall, yes, sir. New York. He's yeah. been killing. He was All in right. there for the ringer too. He was in there. Yeah. Julius Randle, you got the Heat. You got the you know the Heat players. I'm putting ba- yeah, I'm putting Bam. Bam. Yeah. You got Bam and Jimmy, yeah. Yeah. Are you, are you putting LaMelo in there? That's tough. He he had the time away. But he came back a lot sooner than I thought. And Hornets played a lot better this year since this is Melo since Melo touched the ball. Yeah. I mean, as soon as he literally touched his last name in literal components, in literal life, the Hornets have been better. So therefore, <laughs> it's hard for me to not have him on the list. Yeah. And you got and you got a you got the two on Washington. Right. So it's like you could reel off about half that list without talking about the Bulls in the East, and we haven't even gone to the West yet. So, uh, you know. But uh-huh. it's. If if we put Middleton on there, Zach's got to be on the list. That's just, that's just my. And if we say Middleton's not, then you got, you know, you can wring some hands. But I think if, if Chris Middleton makes the list, then Zach's stats are are nearly the same. I think they're they're better. 
Yeah. 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 I mean, I wonder how, if like playoff experience plays a role in that too. Uh, but no, just 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 this year, just what just this year, year. right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You see, that's what you said. It's just this year that we're. But okay. see, because Middleton's the the fact that Middleton can score and defend give him the edge over Levine. As a not according to player efficiency rating. Okay. Okay. And I I think that takes some of that into account. You know how you know how up and down down I am on NBA advanced <laughs> stats because it, it's hard. It's hard to gauge. It really it is. is hard to gauge. It is, man. Especially now. Like I think if you if your defensive rating is like 103, that's good. That means that you would technically allow like 103 points and 100 possessions. And that's, and the way the NBA is now, that's pretty good. That's the hardest one to quantify as a the defensive advanced metrics. That's the tough one. Right. Especially individual. Yeah. We eye tested out here. Zach's, Zach's, Zach's better than uh, uh, Chris Middleton in those ranks. So, therefore, I'm going with Zach. We <laughs> eye tested out here. Do you see what I see? Do you see what I see? <laughs> okay. I, I, I'm not going to argue with that. But, but I'm just saying, though, like I said, if you can – if you can come up with nearly half the list in the East without even talking about the West players, then it's it's not a stretch to leave both of those guys out. True, you know, at least one of them out that list. So yeah. twenty five players is tough. I will say this: the you know Bulls Twitter was all the rage and talking about how you know uh, I think they were comparing Zach to Devin Booker and Donovan Mitchell and Bradley Beal. Those were the kind of the group. That they were talking about, he could possibly he he's in, and that he can kind of usurp to get into that twenty five best players. And I think, I mean, I think a case could be made for him to get in there over those guys. I think a case could be made. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, but it hurts when you lose games to Cleveland and it does. like the teams like that. You yeah, know? the winning man. Yeah. Well, I mean, Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon is winning now that he's in Denver, and Devin Book is winning now that Chris Paul showed up because they were losing those same games before. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it but it helps. It helps to have your a better cast around you to to win those. But like, but starting with everything, you got to win. I mean, you, you know, that's the baseline for everything in the NBA. So if you, you know, unless unless you're just really doing astronomical things and. I, th- I think let's uh, let's use that to go into the next uh, next thing here, but uh, we don't. Yeah, we don't. Probably our last main, like I say, our last main uh, subject for tonight is Russell Westbrook. A lot of talk around him now. He's he's going to average a triple double for a fourth year, and um, no, he just had another triple double. He had like twenty. Rebounds at twenty assists, which is a rare, a rare, one of the rare things about triple doubles. But you got other people who say, like, you know, well, you know, triple doubles don't mean as much anymore. You know, they're not as impressive because we see them so much. You know, how much of how much of effect do they really have on winning? You know, because again, Washington, they're possibly a playoff team, but they're not a very uh, no threatening playoff team it looks like right now, but you know, I don't know what 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 are, what are our thoughts? You know, I, I I put it like I put it on the rundown once and for all. Are we impressed by Russell Westbrook or not? You got to be impressed, man. I mean, 
again, like we talked about earlier, Chris mentioned it, the novelty has worn off, but it, it still means something that he's putting up these numbers uh, and the fact that they're, they're, they are also still winning. Um, they're not just empty, empty calories, as the kids say. Uh, it's, it's impressive, man. Like, like you just said, a fourth straight season, averaging triple doubles. This man had 14 points, 24 assists, and 21 rebounds uh, last night. That's crazy, man. That's insane. Um, but at the same time, and I think this, this is what Stephen A. said. It may, it may have come off kind of bad, but we want to see that translate to team success in the playoffs. He hasn't since, uh, you know, he's been away from Durant and Harden. Uh, he has not. Let me see. Is it, he's not gotten past the. He hadn't got gotten past the first round since 2015-2016. That was his last um, go round with Durant. So yes, it's impressive. Um, I don't, it's, it's nothing to balk at. But you know, we just want to see this dude excel in the playoffs, especially going off of last year's struggles that he had coming off COVID, coming off the. I think he had a quad tear. Um, he struggled mightily in, in the playoffs last year. So we just want to see just want to see what he can do in the playoffs. Yeah, when you talk about Russell Westbrook, I mean, if it's if it's so easy, there would be much yeah, a lot man, of it's, it's astounding. No, go ahead, Josh. You got it. No, yeah, I was just saying, like, if, if it was so easy, everybody would do it. And not everyone has been able to do it at the level, and not just at that level, but even at the efficiency. Um, that Russell Westbrook has been able to make those accomplishments. I mean, you're, always, you're, gonna, you're gonna have people that obviously, if you want to see it translate to winning, you can. But you also want to see people that, that may not win championships but still impact the league. I think um, I believe Russell Westbrook may go down as probably like another Allen Iverson, where he impacted the game, didn't win a championship, and even Iverson didn't go far in the playoffs either, until, except for that one year when he went to the NBA Finals. So you want to talk about playoff success too. Iverson didn't have that much playoff success either. Um, but he impacted the game in such a way that changed the point guard game forever and made Iverson who he was, a legend in the game. Russell Westbrook's doing the same thing. He has his, he has his own imprint on what this game really means at the point guard position or at the talent level that he has. And for him to do what he's doing and no one else is doing it, I mean, of course, I wanted to win, but come on, you can't negate exactly his what he's achieved. Because if that was easy, if that was, if it was that easy, everybody would be would be doing it. It'll be that much more of a normal normality, and it's not. So, stop hating. Appreciate the flowers while you can, man. Stop hating. Get your sit, sit your hater rate out of here, man. <laughs> I think a week or two ago we talked about hood Hall of Famers like like Jamal Crawford <laughs> and a couple other cats, but. Like he's gonna be like a a, a combination of that because he's obviously a basketball fan. He's gonna be in Springfield, but he also is gonna have that resonance to certain observers of the game that's gonna be separate from you know some. I'm, I don't I don't know how I don't know exactly how he falls with the numbers crunchers, but he I think. He's going to be more like he's going to be a guy that we hold dear, definitely. But he's also a guy who you can't ignore his impact on the game as a whole. And unfortunately, he's he's at a position it seems like now where he's not going to have that defining run as close as he's probably going to come. 
is when him and Durant were up on Golden State that year and they let him fall behind from 3-1, is, you know, come back from 3-1. And, you know, that was probably as close as he would have came. You know, he made a finals in, tw- in 12 with, uh, you know, the young, those young Thunder, but, you know, he just hadn't been able, when it was up to him as the leader in, in Oklahoma City towards the end, he couldn't do it. And he's just been sort of sh- stranded since then. Maybe he'll get a late, uh, maybe he'll hop on a train later in his career, even later in his career, like a, uh, you know, a, a pick up a late one. But, you know, I don't know how much of an impact he'll have on such a team, but we'll see. But, but I think it, it's, I, I see him a lot like McGrady in that way right now. Cause he just, even though he's been, he's been further in the playoffs than McGrady definitely, but he hasn't had that run where it was like, yeah, Westbrook is carrying that team and he's likely not going to have that run either. Cause he's going to need some help to get close to a title and definitely to get one. That uh, the sad reality, I think of the triple double point guards, him and Oscar Robertson is that, they came up against teams that were better. Um, Oscar yeah. had the luxury of being a genetic freak. Shout out to Scott Steiner in an era <laughs> that there was nobody really like him for the, the first half of his career. That's right. You know, if you take Oscar Robertson, 75% chance, and you add it to... Oh, uh, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> don't do the Steiner math, man. <laughs> It was the anniversary of that a few days ago. But, yeah, um, it was, yeah. <laughs> like before Jerry West came in and then um, a couple of the uh, – Bill Simmons talked about this in his book. Before West came in and a couple of the, the guards came in the league in the mid-60s, uh, like Young Clyde and Earl Monroe, and the league got more athletic at point guard, you know, Oscar's Oscar stats started to dip a little bit, and his impact uh, declined just a touch. It's not the same way with Russ necessarily. Like the only thing really slowing him down is age. But those guys can't really get a championship club. Like Robertson had Jerry Lucas and um, rebounders. You know, he had guys working. He had guys in the post. When when Russ went the furthest, he had KD on his hip or um, young Stephen Adams and, and Serge. You know, he needs another he needs another guy to take the focus off of just him. It would Chris Middleton wouldn't quite do it, but it would be nice for him to have a guy like Chris Middleton who could pick up some of the slack on defense and also shoot from the wing. But Russ is like. Russ it'd is be, a '90s. Chris, it'd be nice if he had a guy who could keep him from getting 24 rebounds in the game too. But he wouldn't. But he wouldn't have those type of games if he had a guy like that. Hey, 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 hey! Yep. That's not a shot at Daniel Gafford, man. <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't that be something if he if he had this defining run with Daniel Gafford as one of his top? <laughs> It'd be like Jerome James in 03. <laughs> <laughs> Jerome James, yeah. Um. It's just I. Part of Russ wants his stats, right? Uh, you, mm-hmm. you can't go that long without wanting. Just like let me get that. All those assists, and so at some in some way in that sense, you got to be selfish for a long term. But at the same time, Russ has averaged thirty six minutes the past four years. Like that are he, that are he, early thirties. 
he don't seem like he's winding down yet. He could play probably to 40 or close to it, definitely. I mean, I think I think once it gets to mid-30s, we're going to see him, his averages start to go down to like, you know, 15 points a game, something like that. Not a great three-point shooter. Like he averaged just below 30% the past couple years. And so he's always going to be on that like basketball Mendoza line of 30%. But just just the way that he's he's coming out every day when he can, that's something that we don't get now. You know, for all the guys that I that I talk trash about early on, Russ is a '90s '80s type of basketball player. Like he's going to yeah. come out and he's going to give you 30 to 35 minutes a night, and, and he might do some crazy Russ stuff. <laughs> he might not get you a championship, but you're going to get your money's worth if you buy a ticket. Mm. Well said. Yeah, well, uh, we're gonna wrap up, man. I know uh, Chris just sent me a message. He wanna, he wanna eat some. He, he ain't. I got Nando's on deck, baby. <laughs> oh man, oh, you ain't you you let it cool off. Mango and lime. Show is the show, man. Yes, sir. Um, I'm, I'm gonna try that for the first time, Drew. I'm gonna, uh, let me. I'm gonna see how it is. I appreciate you, Chris, man, for holding off on the Nando's, man. But... <laughs> You're a real one. Yeah. Real one. <laughs> Kyle, what's that shirt say, man? Huh? Yeah, I was trying. I was wondering that myself. Oh, what's that? What's your What's your shirt say? I saw uh, t- uh, TDE list. Ooh, yeah. they're, they're supposed to be dropping something, aren't they? Uh, yeah, apparently, uh, Cole Cole just intercepted them though. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I did not realize it's such a huge faction of fans that like hate J Cole. Oh, you didn't oh, know man. that. I didn't oh, know that. Yeah, you ain't, <laughs> you, ain't, you ain't been on the internet that long, man. <laughs> Yo, people have been saying Cole is boring for like five years, Joe. Yeah, yeah. But they've been hating but him see, since sideline story. <laughs> but the best thing about today, though, was the video where the where the dude Jermaine Jermaine Cole. I got back. Yo, those dudes, man. Those, that, those RDC oh, world dudes, they, they fuck with J. Cole so heavy. <laughs> the real is back. The real is back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. And, and, and that I guess the basketball tie in there, he got the flaming. I, I guess he threw a hoop in there. He got the, he burning down the hoop and everything. So. He said it was an offseason. I'm trying to what that offseason was like. I mean, he's been Ooh. doing his thing, making Pumas. That Puma line, making them gym shoes so people at the Marcus Cousins yeah. lock them on the court. Okay, I saw cool. that in the email, yeah. Yeah. It'll be, it'll be those, interesting. Those, those I, I, I like the KOD joint, actually. So I I hope that his uh, evolution as a as an artist is uh, continuing, you know, and, that was the first album that I listened to with him that I could listen to just about the whole way through. So, you know, we'll see how it go. But, <laughs> but uh, we we gonna continue on. We'll be back, like I said, Thursday. Uh, a couple things I was planning to talk about here. Maybe uh, we we dropped off. Uh, we, we'll we'll probably continue. Uh, I say hold that for Thursday. Definitely the Justin the Bulls Justin Fields talk. I want to get into that for Thursday. Who could that be? For the Bulls, so uh, watch out for that. And uh, like I said, we'll be back then. Uh, you know, maybe have some more uh, special stuff along for these next two weeks. Keep watching us. 
Uh, we'll be back Thursday, next Tuesday, and uh, a week from Thursday will be our big WNBA preview extravaganza. So, uh, yeah, just keep riding with us. Uh, we are radio.com war, uh, ready on Substack. And uh, check out Drew. Drew got his own Substack now, too. Uh, what's what's that name? Uh, he- the Bullish Blogger. Mm. Okay. Yeah, so he's he writing a lot of he got his you know a lot of his own thoughts on the Bulls and basketball and stuff. So definitely, if you like this show, you should definitely follow him and what he's writing about. So please check that out. I don't, I don't like to just talk to myself, so you know. <laughs> yeah, and Chris, let Chris, I see you been you know getting back to uh, what's good radio and everything, man. What, uh, let anybody know what you're doing over there. Man, it's I, I wanted to just get some people on the show and talk to them, just a, kind of a one-on-one interview, like a Charlie Rose type thing, and then really get into uh, what they felt is good about what they do, because I think in this pandemic and, and civil rights time, it's, it's good to find out what's good about professions. So I had some had uh, Evan Moore on the last show. Evan was a, was a real good interview. I uh, talked to him about his book that he's got coming out, Game Misconduct, in October. Yeah. Uh, Janice, Janice Scurrio, she's great. She was great. Uh, White Sox baseball writer, baseball prospectus. Uh, and Seth Rosenthal, who's on SB Nation and uh, Secret Base. He actually, we talked about KD, KG. They did a, a, um, a Timberwolves collapse video on how that 04 Western Conference Finals team just imploded. Mm-hmm. So it was great talking to Seth and and all the all the people I've had on, and so well, he, he does he does the uh, he do the beef histories too. Yes, that's the yeah. same dude. Those are yeah, those are great videos. Yeah, yeah he so, does some heavy hitters. That's what I'm talking about. See, breezy. Hey, this magic Twitter thing, man. You know, you 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 <laughs> you hit some people up if they got their messages open, and then they're like, "Hey, yeah, sure." So, <laughs> looking to have some more people on soon. It's gonna be it's gonna be cool. Okay, we might we might have talk about expanding that distribution a little bit there. <laughs> anyway, uh, speaking of Josh, uh, your show, we'll talk more about your show on Thursday, actually. But uh, you already you've already given some mention to it. You got a big show coming up this week uh, with a big guest, so we'll we'll talk about more about that on Thursday. But uh, yeah, I'll, I'll keep you. I won't keep you guys any longer. Um, you got to scroll down at the bottom. You can listen to this, uh, uh, you know, if you want to just take it in, you know, through the ear hole on anchor.fm coming up. They'll be out pretty soon. Hey, like I said, we'll be back Thursday here on uh, – actually, we'll be on uh, Twitter on Thursday, uh, you know, because uh, <laughs> StreamYard acted kind of funny on me. So I'm, I'm hedging my bets. <laughs> With my streaming devices, so you know, but now I, I'm, I'm gonna spread the love more so that, than anything else. But we'll be on Twitter through uh, uh, <laughs> through the uh, reach uh, restream on Thursday, so check us out there. Uh, till then, keep bouncing. Thank you, cuz. Appreciate you. Yes, sir. Right off the D.